ladies, I will conclude the priorities of the wife this morning. See there? Glory, glory, hallelujah. I'll look out for you. Chapter 5 of Ephesians 22 to 24. Please following and reading the holy word of God. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He himself being Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Father, help us to hear, uh, Lord, that uh, our past mistakes are past. Father, let us stand in the grace that is you, that we may be more than overcomers, and we can understand the desires of your heart, that we would be lovingly, willful, (laughs) jubilant and obedient in our feet. (laughs) Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time, for your holy book. In Christ's name, amen. I've been dealing with the priorities of the wife, and we've gone through a whole bunch of texts. I've got a couple more today, but uh, we've got uh, some that we've got in the past. We looked at 1 Peter chapter 3, and we saw what the desires of a godly woman was should be a gentle and quiet spirit. And it even makes the statement Peter does that this is of great value to God. Uh, I think, ladies, we should listen when it says this is what God wants and it is of a value to you. And this is where he said, I don't want you to worry about your hair. I don't want you to worry about your gold, your jewelry, or uh, what you're going to be adorned in. Worry about the inner that is the gentle and quiet spirit. We also looked in First T- Timothy chapter 2, and it says that the women are to learn in subjection, in quietness. They are to learn. Now, it doesn't mean that women are just going to be sit there and be bumps on a log and can't give you an answer for something. It means that they are to learn in subjection to the male teachers and to the leading of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 11 women are submitted unto the man, to their own husbands. Listen, it, this does not mean that they are unequal or that they are inferior. It means that in the dynamic that God created in all of creation, there's leadership and following. And that the women are to be followers and the men are to be the heads. They are to be the leaders. And in the context of First Peter, it even deals with it to the point if you're married to an unbeliever, that uh, the woman is still subject to that man, even the unbeliever. But then we learned in Titus 2, and this is the one that's uh, kind of been a burr for me for a while. And it says that older women and I'm not going to make eye contact with anybody. (laughs) But the older women have a job. They have a responsibility, a requirement from God. I didn't think this up. God thought this up. And the thing was, is that the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands. Don't you find that fascinating? That has to be taught. I mean, you, 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 
You see young people and they got the flittery eyes and oh, and you're like, but I've got to teach you how to love them. Okay? And, and, and you just, yeah. Because love isn't this liver quiver thing. It isn't pitter pat, be still my heart. Because I got news for you. I've been married long enough to know that it's the first 30 are the most difficult. And you have two people who have powerful flesh that are trying to be one. The woman is supposed to follow the headship of the man. Oh, you don't know my husband. I do know the word. It doesn't qualify it. And yet I find that it's fascinating that I watch what people think that they should do in the body of Christ. And one of the things that is desperately missing is older women teaching younger women how to love their husbands. Then he says that they need to be taught how to love their children. And that can be harder than loving your husband. I've got kids. There's times I'm like, no, man, come on. I was right when I said I never wanted kids. I should have stuck to my guns. Okay? But, again, it shocks me that it has to be taught. But the love that he's talking about is that self-sacrificing love, agapon, which is the verb for agape, which means I love expecting absolutely nothing in return. But it also says that the older women are to teach the younger women to be keepers at home. The Scripture is adamant about this. I'll deal with this again in the motive and the model of submission. That They are to be at home. They are to be at home. Our society has corrupted the family in such a way that I hear people, they've already been telling me, I've already heard you, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Okay? The problem you see in our country right now is that we have a disastrous family unit in America. And it is seen in the rest of our government and the rest of our society. They are to be at home. I did give you Proverbs 31, and it says she was industrious, and she went out, and she made, she bought, she sold. But what did she do first? She took care of the home. And this is something that is a a disaster in the United States today. And it is a direct reflection on the body of Christ. I think the older women aren't doing what they were told. And I I can't help but go back to my two grandmas teaching my mom to can. Anybody know how to can? I know how to open a can, but I don't know how to can, but how to cook and all these other things. No. To the point that I've seen some Christian colleges are actually teaching home economics to the women so that they learn how how to sew. I know how to do those patches that you iron. I can do those. I'm not, I'm not actually too bad at them either. So what I'm trying to get, get us to understand is God had a design. And just because we corrupted it doesn't mean it was a bad design. 
Okay, so that was part of what we looked at in the matter of submission and in the manner of submission. Okay, the manner of submission is what? As unto the Lord. Okay, if your husband asks you to do something, it is in this text a direct reflection as as unto the Lord. If your husband says, no, we're not going to do that, then that is as unto the Lord. If your husband says, this is what we should do, it is as unto the Lord. And I look at families. I shared with you, when we started this book decades ago, when we started this, I said, this book is the church. And the whole focus of all the angles, it's like a diamond with all of its facets. All these facets are making this precious stone. But all these facets are bringing into the unity. And I told you, this church is going to take a beating on this. And everybody said, what? I don't understand. Guess what? We've taken a beating on this. And... You know, as I study it, and I, and I and I share with this with all the love I can muster. But as I study this, the reason we don't have a unified front is we don't have unified home. If my home ain't unified, how in the world do I show up on church and say we're in unison? See the difference? And yet, that's what the Apostle Paul is dealing with. He gave us the three chapters of doctrine, and then he says, okay, chapter 4, you need to walk worthy. Okay, how does that look? Chapter 5, he's rocking and rolling it. Now, he's just saying, here's what it looks like. And he's going to do this all the way to chapter 6, verse 9. But we have a motive. Ladies, what is your motive of submission? First part of 23. The husband is the head of the wife. All right, you've been beating me with that. I've got it now. Okay, wait. As Christ also is the head of the church. Okay, that's the motive. Let me give you a text. One of my favorite. Everybody loves it. I, the people like this as a, Pastor, I think it's it's just not right. But anyway, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. For those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. Okay, now that's speaking of the leadership of the church. But what did he just say the leadership of the home was? The husband. And if you submit to him, what? Do you understand your husband keeps watch over your soul? Because I'm going to deal with this. Men, you have to present your wife holy and pure before the Lord. That's your responsibility. We'll get to deal with that in depth. Okay, how do you do that? 
Well, you need one of them high-pressure sprayers. No. You wash them with the Word. Alright? Do I even dare ask how many of you are washing your wife with the Word? And you wonder if you're not washing her with the Word to present her holy and pure, why she's not subjected to you? See what I'm trying to get at? And yet, they are the spiritual leader. He says here, as Christ is the head of the church, men are what? Head of the body. Wow, you know what that means? The church is a representation of the women. Christ is a representation of the men. Now, he makes a statement here, Christ is the Savior of the body. Amen. It doesn't say that men are the Savior of the wife. Alright? The husband is, though, the head of the wife. And the ladies are the body. The husband is the head of the body. Ladies are the body. Okay, where do the directions come from your body? From your head. So who gives directions in the home? The man, the husband. Listen, I know what some, it goes right to your head. Sir? That is so degrading to tell me that I'm the body and I have to follow His directions. Okay? Listen. A body responding to the head is not degrading. If a body does not respond to the head, that is degrading. Have you ever seen ALS? Lou Gehrig's disease? That's what happens when the body is not responding to the head. You ever seen Parkinson? You ever seen Parkinson's when it's really going? Listen, either one of those is degrading. And if a woman thinks she needs to rebel over the head, you tell me who's degrading. We see a body responding to a spirit-filled mind. Then the body is honored. When we see a body responding to a spirit-filled mind, we see a mind that is honored. Remember the Proverbs 31's husband had great honor among the elders at the gate. A body that does not respond the body and the head are dishonored. I've had a friend who passed away because of Lou Gehrig's. I've got a friend who's got Parkinson, and I watch it slowly but surely degrade them. Remember, the key is verse 18. What? Be filled with the Spirit. Listen, 
I know that this is not easy. I've already had conversations where people said, well, but we did this and we did this and I'm sorry I did. And that's how do we change it and all the rest of it? Listen, you are forgiven. You now have information you may not have known you had 10 years ago. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. I also understand our societal pressures. Uh, you know, look at the cost of living. Look at a gallon of gas. Look at a gallon of milk. Look at this. Look at that. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. But I know that most people in America today live beyond their means anyway. Really? You think I'm lying? How's come the credit card business is so successful? It's so I can live beyond my means. I want it. I want it now. Here, give me that last four digits. You got it. And we believe that we have this great culture, cultural freedom. I understand that. I came out of the 60s and 70s. I know exactly how that thing works. And we're for free. We're all free. Just be as silly as you want to be. It's all free. Okay, let me tell you about the, what was going on in Ephesus. Ephesus had an, a, a center of the city that was the focus. It was a great, huge arena and monument, massive sucker. I have seen the, the, the foundation of it and what it looked like. And it was the center of the Ephesian life, the main focus of the city. And it was built to the son of Zeus, Dionysus. Okay? The Romans called him Bacchus. All right? He was the god of sex and wine. All right? This is what the Apostle Paul is referring to. Okay? They believed that you could commune through sex and wine... And you would commune intimately with Dionysus. And that was, see why it was the focus of the city? Honey, I'm going to go down and worship. I'll be back. You would gain a higher level of consciousness. And the reason that I believe that this is what Paul is Talking about, if you look at verse 18, the first, second half of it is, uh, the New American Standard translates it dissipation. Okay. Uh, the word is sometimes translated, uh, excess. Okay. Osteoas is the word excess. Osteoas. Okay. Ostos was used to describe Dionysus. Same root word. Dionysus was the god of excess. Paul made that connection. The believers don't worship in excess anymore. You worship the god of truth. And you do not worship him the way the pagans do, filled with wine and temple priestesses. You are to be led by the Spirit. See, we are different. 
We are different in our faith. We are different in our communion. We are different in our worship. And we've already gone through this. You know, the the worship of Dionysus, you know what's one of the things they were known for? They'd get lit up. That's my way of describing drinking a lot of wine. And they would be hanging out with all these women and they would sing songs. And all the songs were directly pointed to the male sex organ. And they were doing that in the name of worshiping, communing with Dionysus. We worship and we sing. Remember verse 19? In the inner man we sing. We sing a new song, a new song of our redemption. We share it in our love, our joy. We, we share it with the smiles on our face. We share it because I have a joy and a redemption no matter what happens to me. I already live immortal. They like Dionysus. He gave gifts. Verse 20 says, we give thanks. And we found out in Corinthians that God gives us gifts too through the person of the Holy Spirit. In the worship of Dionysus, women took the lead in the worship. They were the priestesses. You got drunk. They even had a big pit in the middle of the arena. So when you got so hammered, you could throw up in there so you could get back to your priestesses. That system is absorbing us today in the United States. But you know what breaks my heart? is that it is absorbing the bride of Christ. Listen, and we are not immune to this. We may not look like we're very big, but I know that excess is one of our great problems. We have things that we think we need. Let me give you another text. I want you... Hey, listen, you can sit there and say, gosh, Jesus, I'm all mad at everybody. No, I'm showing you what God has been showing me. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, I want to show you a fascinating text. It says there in verse 3, Honor widows who are widows indeed. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? What the heck does that mean? Okay. You know what the word honor there means? Let me give you a Another definition of the word, or a, a, a definition of the word. Verse 17, same chapter. Elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Interesting, don't you think? It literally means that an elder who works hard at preaching and teaching should be paid double. So you know what verse 3 means? A widow who is a widow indeed, I'll deal with that in a second, is to be what? Paid. You pay her. You give her money. Fascinating, huh? 
pay the widows who are real widows. When a woman, and it literally means a widow indeed. Okay, listen, a widow is someone who doesn't have a husband. A widow indeed means that they have no husband, they have no income, they have no resources. Some women have some things that are left over from their husband. Perhaps he was a landowner. Perhaps he had agriculture. Something to this effect. A widow with nothing. He didn't leave her nothing. There was nothing left. There was no, he didn't have a business that, you know, would provide her income. She was destitute. Let me give you an illustration. Ruth. Ruth's husband died. She had nothing. She had, don't you find it fascinating? Her deceased husband's mother was living with them. She says, we must leave Moab and we must go back to Israel. Ruth said, I'll go. I'll go. Why? She had nothing. She was left with nothing. But Ruth's mother took her back to where the relatives were. Why is it that we will send a widow into the world to work? Why do we do that? These women who are true widows should what? Be paid. I was in Russia. And I remember one morning I got up real early there and they treat you like an apostle. But anyway, I got up early. I was going to go eat breakfast. And, and they had a, f- a fellowship hall with a kitchen. See, the Russians do the same thing we do. But anyway, they had a fellowship hall with a kitchen and there was a lady who was in there who was always making me breakfast. And I don't know if she thought I was 30 people or what, but when she made me a breakfast, gee, many crickets. I couldn't eat. I mean, I had all kinds of sausages, all kinds of cheese. I had eggs. I had pork of bacon and eggs. It was like, gee, many crickets. I'll have to go back to bed and be full. But anyway, I would go in there, and uh, Uba was her name. A sweet woman, just smiled all the time, couldn't speak a stick of English. I spoke very little Russian. I could ask for where the bathroom was. Or I could say good morning and praise God. But anyway. And then I started a couple of times I went. I was kept, there was about four or five of these women in there. I mean, they were mopping the floors and just cleaning everything up. So finally I go talk to Valeri. Valeri's the senior pastor there. I said, Valeri, what, what is it with these? He says, well, they're widows. And their husbands hadn't worked long enough or hadn't worked in a job that gave them a pension. So they live in the church. They serve in the church. We give them groceries. We give them some spending money. I mean, he says, he says, you have read. Have you not read? I mean, yeah, I've read. We don't do that in America. We tell them, get out, get a job. Fascinating. Some of you know the story about Dr. MacArthur. He was the third pastor hired in a year. The first two pastors died. They were elderly men. And the church was doing what? 
taking care of their widows. I mean, indefinitely taking care of the widows. And they, he said the reason they hired me was I was 24. And they figured they wouldn't have to add to the widow roll. You go through the south, my people are from the hill country of Kentucky. Um, all the churches are that way. Of course, you had a lot of men dying young in coal mines and stuff like that. And um, if they did, church took on the widows. Where do you see that in America? Where do you see that in Castle Rock? I remember a pastor of a big church here in Denver in our denomination years and years and years and years ago. They were looking for a pastor, looking for a pastor, looking for a pastor. They were about, after the pastor was killed in an automobile accident, they had been in a pastor search for about six years. And they had some people come in and things like that. They just couldn't find anybody. There was a lot of problems with it. I won't get into that. But I remember, because I'm on the executive board, I went in and they said, we just can't find anybody. And so everybody was given their brilliant ideas, you know, try this, try that, try that. And I got around to me, I raised my hand, I said, where's the widow? They said, what? Where's Rick's wife? Oh, we don't know. We told her she probably ought to go back to Missouri. And you wonder why you can't find a pastor? You can't even take care of the widow. See what I mean? These women must be supported. This reinforces that women have their ministry at home. You don't send them out to work. Okay, now, I don't want you to miss this because it tells us a real widow in verse 4. If any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Okay, a real widow doesn't have children or grandchildren around or alive because it is the children or grandchildren. Something about Eric doing anything really scares me. But anyway, that's my grandson. But anyway, they had to take care of their their mom. And it says, acceptable in the sight of God. Okay, if there is no family, then who does it? The church does it. Just because she's a widow does not mean she is driven into the job market today. What happens today? See what we've done to the family? It is so often and so regular, it's disheartening. Okay, let me give you another example. Here's one to think about. Believing wife. Her unbelieving husband leaves her. She's got little rugrats. What do we do? What do you do? 
Go get a job. Ain't you got a skill? Can you type? Can you answer a phone? We force them to go to work. You know what that means? Kids end up with an absolutely empty home. Dad's gone. Mom's at work. A woman that has no resources nor kin to take care of her, what does it say? Pay her. Pay her. Listen, I find this fascinating. A lot of people want to be spiritual. Okay? I I deal in this realm. I know what people do. They even got to look every once in a while. They'll kind of do one of these things like, I'm going to be spiritual now. But they want to do the religion in public. There's writing in the Talmud. Talmud is a commentary on the Old Testament by rabbis. When asked, they want to give something to their own parents to help support them. We would like to. But I have committed it to the Lord. I have seen Christians do the very same thing. What will I give to God? That's God's people. That's what you give. It is the traditions of man become greater than the commandments of God. God says, children, see, you're coming too. Honor your parents. Paul says, if you're a man in the family, a child, a nephew, a grandchild, related to a widow, and you don't practice your Christianity in that home, don't bring it to the church. Do it at home. You supply her needs. She's to be cared for by someone else. See what I mean? The women are to be at home. Listen, what do we do consistently? We are consistent. If the unbelieving husband leaves and we've got a woman with that's got little kids, if we got a widow, doesn't have any family, what do we do? We come up with brilliant ideas. Have you ever tried Medicare? Hey, perhaps you ought to try Social Security Disability. Perhaps you should try this or that. We throw them to the world. But the widows are supposed to do this. Verse 5. Now she who is a widow indeed, who has been left alone, what must she do? Fix her hope on God and continue in entreaties and prayers day and night. You know what the word fixed literally means? Obsess. Obsess your hope in God and your obsession will drive you to specific petitions and fervent prayer. And if you're obsessed with it, then you will do it day and night. Trust the Lord. 
a widow should fall on her face for a source of supply. Father, bring me help. The Bible is careful to show us what we need to do to meet the needs of widows. In James' little letter, it says, Pure and undefiled religion is visiting the fatherless and the widows. Part of the whole life of the people of God should be. Fourth point, back in our text. The model of submission, 23b to 24. Who is the pattern of our submission? What is the model that we are to follow? He Himself being the Savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject their husbands in everything. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the Savior of the body. Jesus is the Savior of the church. Remember, He was on the cross, and He says it is really close to being finished. No, it is finished. Salvation is taken care of. We are all under that umbrella. We fall into that provision, and you are eternally in that provision. The husband is the provider in the home. He is the protector. He delivers. No, nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture does it say the woman is the co-breadwinner. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that the woman is the co-protector. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that the woman is the co-provider. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that the woman is the co-preserver. She's the helpmate to the husband in whatever he's doing. All wives need to do it. Get up under the Lord. Remember, submit to your husband is hupotes, means to come up under the order. God's plan, God's pattern. Come up under God's plan, God's pattern. If we follow this, we'll have happier homes. We'll have godly children. There'll be way less divorces. There'll be more love in the home. And you know what's the most important thing about it? God will be honored and His Word will not be blasphemed. Now listen. I want to tell you something. I know there's some of you going, oh my God. I'm so far in debt. I've gotten so far over here. There's no way I could, uh, we could live on one household. We could do, I just, you just don't understand. You know, I mean, you got to make car payments. I got insurance has gone up. I can't, you know, milk has gone up. Gasoline, we won't even talk about that. That's against the law. Okay. Well, all this is happening. You don't understand. My kids' college. Gee whiz, what am I going to do with my kids' college? Okay. In that case, I will give you this verse out of John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. 
This is not a tradition I'm talking about, people. Ask yourself a simple question. What did the church ever do for Christ? So we should yield and submit to Him because He did it all. He purchased each and every one of us collectively by His own blood. Ladies, one more time, just for good taste. What do you submit to your husband about? Everything. If you do not, what is it? It's disobedience. Well, you just don't understand my husband. Nope, but I do understand the Bible. And if you smile at me and tell me that, you know what I'm going to tell you? John 8, 31. I do not know why this church doesn't have a thing to help widows. I don't understand that. I don't understand when we deal with someone who is divorced in this congregation, they they might as well have leprosy. No, it's a widow, a woman, no husband. She should what? Be paid. Because remember, we all like to hear this one. You judge whether we should obey God or obey man. Okay, I'll do that. Spirit-filled life can do this. But a spirit-filled life, the home is priority. The strength of a country is directly related to the strength of the family. We are celebrating our independence today. I look at our families and think, we don't have a lot of strength there. Yet, God's Word is to be honored as in everything. And wives, you are to honor your husband in submission in what? Everything. Last message, ladies. You feel better yet? Gentlemen, put your Kevlar on. Let's pray. Lord, we come before You because Your plans are perfect. Father, You have never let us down. Lord, You need to help us. We are uh, in a community, a society that pressures for us to excel in... uh, Temporal things. So Lord, I ask you now that you help each of us under conviction to bow before you and say amen and amen. Father, if uh, we have disobedience, we beg your forgiveness. And Father, say amen and amen. Lord, the church is a mess. Families are a mess. And yet, Father, all things are possible through You. Father, may it be our desire, our passion, our obsession to be Spirit-filled so that each of us individually and collectively may walk worthy. In Christ's precious name, Amen.